0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Vittles and Bottles podcast. We're switching it up a little bit today. I'm Jacob Reed. I'm the son. And I'm Jay Reed. I'm the father. And we are the hosts of your show today. All right. So it's mid-October as of this recording. The, uh, it's a little chilly outside. The Finally. Finally. Finally the leaves are changing on a couple trees and that means one thing and one thing only college football is fully upon us. It's been going on for a couple weeks now, you know, we've had some games, we've had some highs, we have some lows. We're actually about halfway through the season. Wow. There's it sick, you know, the whole thing about having six wins to go to a bowl and we are I think we're six games in. Yeah, you're right. We are about to Some teams, wins. at least. Yeah. Uh, I don't think either one of our teams are exactly in a bowl bowl we, seasons quite yet. We still but have a few games to win. We do have. We both have a couple games to win. Um, but a natural part of Southern life is college football. It's um, with one of the parts of our podcast being focused on the vitals of culture, you can't look at the South without seeing college football. I mean, if you just think about it, we all spend weeks, months out of the year in preparation for four to five months of the year where we go see our teams once a week. And we, um, I was reading a book actually the other day, um, called gods at war. And he did this thing where he replaced every word of football, like describing a day of football with church and about Ooh. how weird it was that we, if we read it that way, but then on top of that, you know, he was talking about, we go to football games and we, We'll watch other football games in preparation for our own football games, and then you know we will eat like pigs—the best way to describe it—in preparation to go to a stadium and to eat even more at the stadium because you know you got to eat at the game. Sure, we'll so get to that. We definitely will get. Um, but just looking at um, SEC specifically, um, those are both near and dear to both of our hearts because uh, I go to an SEC school currently. You went and graduated from an SEC I school. Did. So, looking at that, uh, let's talk about some capacity of stadiums because this was some numbers. It's pretty incredible. That really got me. Would you like to talk about that?
1: Yeah, I was looking. You know, SEC has fourteen teams, and the biggest stadium is Texas A&M's Kyle Field, which, uh, according to the numbers I looked at, could hold one hundred two thousand seven hundred thirty three people. And I believe it. I'm not good with like eyeballing numbers but i have attended a game there and i think you're going to one in a few weeks mm-hmm, definitely and him. the the atmosphere there the the volume the just the loudness is crazy mm-hmm. and i know i i climbed a lot of stairs to get to my upper row ticket
0: seat that day so
1: Kyle Field is the top
0: uh it's just bottom. crazy to, oh it's just crazy to look and just think about how Kyle Field is four can hold four times the amount of people that live in our hometown. (laughs) That's true. It's just a weird like Starkville four times over could fit in Kyle Field, and they do that a couple times every. Oh yeah, and that's what happens. I
1: was talking to uh, a friend of mine who is a restaurant owner here too, and he was talking about one day how many, you know, what the numbers would be. Uh, He was calling it family people who have been to school here and are coming back here. And, you know, the population of certainly more than doubles because even Mississippi State here, where we are, has a, pop, uh, a capacity of 61,000. So even if you put all the students and all the, every single person in Starville in that stadium, you still have some room for mm-hmm. others. So you know our population doubles that day. Unfortunately, State is, is near the bottom of the numbers. we'll uh, Miss is just a couple of, of uh, thousand above it. Vanderbilt, as you might expect, is is the lowest. It was, still, but still forty thousand people.
0: That's a that's it's a big pretty, chunk of
1: people. Pretty good chunk of people, and and you, you know, it doesn't completely surprise me. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt is part of the SEC, and we we love them. We're we're glad to have them. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sure this, people say the same thing about Old Miss State. But you know, Vanderbilt is has got other other sort of emphases mm-hmm. in their schooling, and so it, it doesn't surprise me that they have the smallest stadium and. Doesn't surprise me that Texas, which prides itself on being the biggest of everything, would also have the biggest stadium. Now, Tennessee's not far behind it, LSU, not far behind there. They're just within a few hundred of each other, and that could have changed even since this was done. Bryant Denny is the next, and then it drops, then it starts dropping mm-hmm. to about 10,000. But just the, I don't know if the schedule allows for every team, every SEC team, to be at home on the same day. I don't think that's probably possible for scheduling. But if it was, there would be 1.1 million people. If every stadium was filled at the same day, 1.1 million people just watching SEC football, which is
0: pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's not even counting uh, all the other conferences, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, all those people who are also packing out stadiums. For their teams. So it's really clear um, that college football is just kind of become a a part of the patchwork of our country, honestly, because you everybody goes to college or not everybody, but many people go to college. And most people I know me personally, football kind of came into that decision. um, Just like, oh, really? I I mean I won't lie. You you were even there with me when I w- looked at that school up in Colorado and we had a conversation about whether or not leaving SEC football was worth it.
1: Oh, okay, I do remember that. As we kind of stood on the mountain and we were looking down into the looking into, into the on, looking onto the campus the and the little bowl of a little, little bowl of tiny a campus football stadium.
0: But they did have a D2 teams. So that was that was something to say. That's true too. So it's not
1: just the numbers though of people it's the amount of money. I'd also looked this up. I believe it's on, uh, I think it came out I actually have a Memphis business journal talking about how much money is spent on football programs. And as you might imagine, uh, this is over a four-year period. Uh, the number one team over the years 2014 to 2017 was Alabama had spent 200, let's see, over $200 million, $211 million on football. Now if you dig deeper into that, they also generate income of about a hundred million and that you know there's all kinds of ways these numbers can be worked. but spent two hundred and eleven million dollars on football and their perennial powers. I mean mm-hmm. it's worth it, I guess, but I have to confess I look at these numbers. Alabama was two eleven million. The next down of course was Auburn, so you got your two. SEC, Alabama schools, mm-hmm. right at the top at $174 million for Auburn. In the top 10, there's no more SEC schools, but if you jump down to the second 10, there's like five or six other schools. Ole Miss is around 30. Um, so tons of money spent, but tons of money earned, all that SEC yeah. TV money, all the kinds of
0: things. The the way the income comes in is just unreal. And it benefits a lot of like the towns as well because – all these businesses, you know, run, maybe we'll run special hours for game days because they know that people are going to be leaving the stadium who are wanting to, to eat or, People are gonna go to the bars and stuff like that. There's hotels, are hotels packed out, Airbnbs and those kind of places are. I mean, like I know packed out. I know here in Starkville, like people stay in Columbus because they there's no room here in Starkville. People buy houses here in Starkville just oh, for game days. Yeah, we
1: had a neighbor once um, when you were younger that 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 house was a game day house, so it that doesn't surprise me either. So the the whole thing, and I know things are different here in Starkville because. Mississippi State has an incredible baseball program, mm-hmm. and so even though we get excited about football, places like state that have strong baseball programs will also, uh, you know, there's something to do in the spring. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Others, um, other, other uh, universities like Kentucky that focus on basketball, you know, they've mm-hmm. got they got stuff going on in the they have this really big, early spring or they winter. They have this
0: really big basketball stadium and a very small football stadium that just holds enough. Right, right. So it's it's. There are other sports. I'm certainly not you know,
1: dissing on the other sports. But football is the one that we, we lament as soon as the last, you know, as soon as the championship game is over. Uh, we lament and we start waiting for the next, you know, we started waiting for fall. So I feel like it's, it's pretty important. I was looking, too, at the stadiums that I've been to, and I'm just thinking about my personal experience. I've only been to about five of the SEC uh, stadiums, which I kind of was, I read a book a few years ago, uh, called Dixieland Delight, written by a guy named Clay Travis. And what he did was he worked it out with his schedule and the schedule of the games to go to a game in every SEC stadium mm-hmm. over the course of one season and then just kind of told about his his travel. So shout out to Clay Travis and his book, which kind of inspired this conversation.
0: Because he's clearly listening right now to this podcast.
1: I'm sure he will. We'll, we'll give him a shout out. Um, so my experience, like I said, I've only been to five stadiums, but when I was in school, you know, I was in the band for the first three years of my college career, and uh, it did turn out to be a career almost. I was there <laughs> so long. But um, I, I've been to A&M. Of course, that wasn't that wasn't at school. That was a couple of years ago. I've been to Tennessee, and that was actually after school also. So I lived in Asheville, okay. North Carolina, and Knoxville was just a, a couple hours over the border. Uh, but LSU as a student, of course, Ole Miss as a student, Mississippi State as a student, and beyond. Um but we didn't always, as a band, we went to like one big away game every year, mm-hmm. um, and most of the time, if we were playing Tulane, then we went to the Superdome, and I played, you know, I played drums on Superdome field, even for a pro game. One year we stayed over a night, Ooh. and we played at the Saints, uh, San Francisco, I believe, the Saint San Francisco game. So there's nothing quite like a rim shot in an empty Superdome mm. on the fifty yard line, what that sounds like. Um, but I've been to the Liberty Bowl, Independence Bowl, Gator Bowl, been to Superdome. Uh, and, of course, in, in my day, we played a lot of games in Jackson, uh, Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium, I believe. Um, it's where we, I don't know, State and Ole Miss both played a lot of games in Jackson. And mm-hmm. uh, thankfully, now they've gone back to campus, and that gets back to your to your money discussion of, you know, helping out the local economy—the mm-hmm. uh, hotels, the restaurants, the, the everything that, that is involved there. Uh, you know what else helps the economy? What? Making the people, making the the fans wear a certain color. You know, you probably got enough T-shirts as a student. Oh you, yeah. On maroon day, you can wear a maroon one. A white day, you can wear a white one. In black day, whatever. But those of us who I remember going to a game at Ole Miss where it was wear navy, mm-hmm. and I, that's the only old me shirt i had at the time and that was no problem for me but the guy I went with uh he didn't have a navy shirt and so he went and bought a navy shirt to wear to the game i think once a year they want to wear maybe twice a year will wear powder blue mm-hmm. and it looks really cool but not everybody has powder blue so they so sell everybody the got out of out of the powder blue that day good old rubble rags rolling more it in. more money for that um but yeah, we did a lot of games in Jackson, and I was in the band, and there was days when I loved being in the band and being a part of that experience, and there was days when I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to, to just have my blazer and khakis on like the rest of the old Miss frat boys, even though I was not a frat boy, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, would have on, and I did get my chance to do that uh, later on, but uh, what your experience has been very different than mine.
0: Yeah, so just going down with some stadiums, I've been to the bot. Uh, spend a lot of time in Davis Wade, uh, we will be going to Kyle Field in two weeks from this recording, like a week from when it drops, uh, and I've been to Tiger Stadium as well, and Bryant Denny, uh, I went and saw a versus Alabama play, it was kind of random, tickets were cheap, buddies were going, why not go see a stadium, um, and then Tiger Stadium, went to see the Dogs play, I was in the nosebleeds of nosebleeds, but it was good. But yeah, I have a really different college experience as far as college football goes. Because I, as soon as I got to college, I was I was done with band. <laughs> uh, I had served my time, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a dedicated fan. Uh, I'm a part of the Mississippi State Baptist Student Union, and they have had the same left bottom corner of the student section since before, probably three or four years before I started college. But the same BSU guys would stand sit there. And then it's slowly built up more and more. We have – I will get to every game, home game, two hours early. I have a, a special gate that I run go into because it's always <laughs> – there's always not a line there. But we're keeping that a secret. Keeping that – I won't tell you what gate it is. And then me and my buddies will sprint full speed to get to the very front of the stadium. And we are on – like we can hop onto the field from where we sit like – we, we are so proud that you're running in the stadium. <laughs> we are we are all the way up there. And it's kind of paid off, honestly. Uh we are kind of become the BSU has become the face of Mississippi State Athletics so far this season. Literally. So far this season, I think I've made two Instagram posts from Hale State Athletics and maybe one from Mississippi State football. And then I've made the Twitter two separate times as well. So, I mean, my face, and it's very distinctly my face. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's not fuzzy at yeah, all. Yeah. It is very distinctly, that That is me on that front line. Your face uh, kind of in a screaming pose. Oh, yeah. And we'll, we'll post it eventually so y'all can see this picture. But it's a, I think it's a pretty great picture of me. I actually knew the photographer. That's why I'm pointing at him in that moment. Cause, like, he's, he's one of those people that you have a Twitter friendship with. You, Kind of know him outside yeah. of it, but like you just kind of talk on social media. So I saw him. I pointed. I was I was screaming, and that picture is going to go down hopefully for a while. That and leads, now it's where. But so actually, it's not that photo. It's a different photo. But there but is a photo. There is a photo of me, uh, my buddy Todd Garner, my friend Abby, um, and I, one more person. I can't go off the top of my head. But we're we're ringing our cowbells and everything, and that picture is actually bounced around on a couple social medias of different companies and stuff like that. But the other day, uh, my buddy Todd sent me a video that his friend, who is a manager for Mississippi State football, that picture is on the wall of the Mississippi State football offices. That's the coach's office. That's mm-hmm. what I'm assuming I, from the information I could gather. And it's not like kind of – fuzzy in the background no, it's, it's like they've sharpened your face like we actually. are sharpened and everything is fuzzed Roundy out around us fuzzy, yeah so it was a really cool um experience because i've seen that picture a lot but getting to know that at least for the next hopefully a couple of years my face is chilling in the yeah. football offices and i had a similar experience um when i was a
1: of course again i was in the band and, and coach brewer in my day back in the early or mid 80s he liked for the drums to lead the team through the grove, and it, I thought it was kind of goofy. But my, uh, I took my turn one day, and it happened to be that the day I was there, Archie Manning was marching right behind me, and some I ended up on, on CBS Good Morning with Charles Curralt a few months later, with me walking through the grove, years and years later my phone started blowing up because it was also right in the book of Manning. So if you've seen the book of Manning and you see the goofy drummer in the red tuxedo leading uh, the football team through the Grove, that is yours truly. Uh, And that also ended up the big picture kind of poster size ended up on a doctor's office wall in Oxford. I never saw it. My mother knew the doctor's wife. She tried to find it later when he retired. We kind of lost track of it, but I'd have people come in and say, Hey, I saw you on Dr. So-and-so's wall. Um, and I did want to say, too, a couple of cool things just real quick. Um, I've also been to Tiger Stadium, and I heard Coach Joe say yesterday, yeah, I'll try to do my best, Coach Joe. Welcome to Tiger Stadium, where the dream, uh, Oppo- it? Opponent's dreams,
0: Oppon dreams, dreams come to die. Opponent's dreams come to die. Come to
1: die. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So he, um, this is long before Coach Joe, but we actually beat LSU one time in Tiger Stadium at night. Crazy good memory. And our big trip when when I was a freshman was to Notre Dame Stadium. So Ole Miss played Notre Dame in a in a little trade off game, and we got mm-hmm. to go up to Notre Dame, and and that was cool. But when you're there for hours in the stadium, mm-hmm. you got to eat.
0: Yeah, you you food reigns supreme. So what is your
1: favorite, or I think you told me the other day you don't have just necessarily a favorite, but sort of a tradition of what you eat when you get the game.
0: Yeah. So for for many years, uh, me and one of my buddies Zach Hune. Uh, we get barbecue nachos, um, Dreamland barbecue nachos. You know, the the cheese sauce is definitely out of a bag. Is it Dreamland? It is Dreamland. Oh. That, that is the ones that are in in the stadium. Impressive. Um, yeah, they're good. They're delicious. There's a picture of me where everybody's cheering and I'm chowing down like mid bite of a of nachos. Uh, yeah. Um. It's kind of transitioned a little bit though because with uh, John Cohen bringing down all the stadium prices for food um, hot dogs are like two bucks and they're, they're pretty, they're pretty large hot dogs. So I've kind of meandered into that trying to say, how so do you get three chips and a spoonful of barbecue? Is that how it works? Yeah, this seems like it sometimes, but I've moved over to the hot dog now just cause it's a little bit cheaper. Um, but still, still really delicious. And I would say that's my favorite
1: thing to do too. I, at Ole Miss, at Vaught-Hemingway, sometimes they, they had a pimento cheese sandwich once. I don't know what they've got now. I haven't been this year, but, um, but that was kind of cool. But, in a no matter what the weather, pretty much I'm gonna probably if, if it's if I'm gonna eat there, I'm gonna have some barbecue nachos. That's mm-hmm. my go-to. If it's hot, I'm looking for a frozen lemonade. Mm-hmm. They don't always have that,
0: but but that's what I'm looking for. Go with that blue Powerade. You get this giant souvenir cup and just sip it through, you know, a quarter or two. Got to stay hydrated out there. Well, that's true too. So,
1: in thinking about the food side of it, I looked at some of the other stadiums across the country and found some really interesting things. Um, several stadiums have sushi. They made a big deal of having sushi. I can't see how sushi would make it at one of these SEC stadiums. Just because we're in the South, it's hot. If I want sushi, I want it wrapped in cornbread batter. Corn, sorry, not cornbread batter. That's a corn dog. Yeah. I, well, which is also a good food. But, you know, they're, they're, my joke kind of blew it. But uh, I'd like to have a, a catfish sushi rolled in cornmeal and fried that's what i was trying to. it's also
0: just not like what you think about like you know you're in the stadium your team's up by 15 you're like "Ah, i have enough time you know the other team's on the i think i'll
1: have a california roll
0: yeah let me let me grab my chopsticks and my sushi and don't forget the soy sauce next to the mustard you know exactly
1: exactly so in missouri they have something called butter cake dippers i guess gooey butter cake is a thing there i could not find a picture but anything that's gooey butter cake and dipping, dipping must mean a sauce, so that sounds great too. Uh, I didn't. Uh, uh, I guess LSU has jambalaya, which makes sense. That's just a very sticking with that dish. Creel. But I can see that that one might be, you know, messy too. I guess, I guess barbecue nachos can be pretty messy. But... Uh, but
0: food is just messy when it comes at college games. Yeah, but you
1: want to have something that can be handheld and not make a complete mess. You know, if you're especially because people tend to sit in there. I mean, jambalaya is also kind
0: of a kind of a stickier food, I guess so it like is. it could stick together and stay in that that yeah. bowl.
1: So Alabama has the Dreamland Nachos, which I didn't realize state had. So that's kind of the same thing. It also had a uh, what it was it a Pimento Cheese Stuffed Sausage Dog or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: I don't know what it was. I saw a picture. It looked good. So. so
1: I I got to thinking. You know, I was looking around, and you know, the University of Oregon something was listed. I don't remember what it was, but. Uh, I did notice that there was no duck on the menu at University of Oregon, which kind of made me think about the Peabody. You know, the Peabody Hotel has a little duck walk, Mm -hmm. and they make sure they've kind of made a big deal out of not having any duck on the menu of their fine dining restaurant. So um, I thought, well, what else, uh, what other stadiums might fall into that same thing? And I was actually surprised to find Virginia Tech. Uh, Their mascot is the Hokie Bird. Which is, your tech hokies, which is basically a looks like a turkey to me. Right, and they have turkey legs, at stadium. So that's that just seems odd to me. It'd be like, of course you you just said you had a hot dog. You're uh, and it's been so hot at games this season. It's a so, real
0: real knee slapper out there, Dad. Yeah, your bulldogs. Uh, you're having a hot dog. Another one that was surprising. You know, Arkansas had uh, pulled pork on the menu, um, at their stadium. Pork rinds too. Pork rinds with pimento cheese dip. At the University
1: of Arkansas, where the pig is the
0: mascot. So just throw that razor back in some hot oil, and we'll see what comes out.
1: Uh, Iowa State, this is just kind of pulling some out of the air. Iowa State has warm beer cheese and corn dip uh, that you dip with herb non bread. Of course, that's available in sweets. I've not ever been in a suite at a game, so I'm sure the food is much better there. It's
0: probably probably a fun time
1: to say the it is. It's probably suite. unlimited, depending on which suite you're in. Uh, In the Rose Bowl, I've not been to the Rose Bowl, they had the Arroyo Dog, which is uh, all beef hot dog topped with roasted corn relish, cheese, and chimichurri sauce, which I thought was pretty awesome.
0: And you can't forget about the city on the hill of food lovers paradise when it comes to college football, which is the Red River Shootout. Very conveniently is also tied to the Texas State Fair. I've never been, but I know you have. So could you talk about that? Yeah, and I remember streets?
1: we went I think the game had already happened, but the Red River Shootout is got to be the epitome of
0: fried fun, culture
1: fun food at a at a stadium because the original Cotton Bowl Stadium is right smack in the middle of the Texas State Fairgrounds. And so during that month or so that the Texas State Fair operates, I discovered there's at least three football games that are associated. And with the ticket to the game, you also get a ticket to the State Fair. So you're in the, you get to go to the game. And the State Fair, I went a few years ago with uh, my friends Ben and Spence. And, I mean, just, uh, you cannot imagine if you're into fried food, if you're into fair food at all. And I realize (laughs) that is not healthy. Nobody's trying to say that it is. Mm -mm. But for one day, it's fun and this the red river shootout i believe is university of texas versus university of oklahoma Mm -hmm. kind of a traditional game big rivalry game big rivalry game and right in the middle of the state fair so i'm declaring that as far as for lovers of fun stadium food it's got to be that's got to be the game to go to and i'll just throw this out some of my buddies out there might have been in the I, i won't name any names but i was in a certain musical fraternity back for a year or so when i was in the band. And we played Tulane every year, and they had something called the Drink the Green Wave Party, which I never attended, and I'm going to just keep, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Gran, cover your ears. But they would come up with this giant, like, trash can full of green liquor of some sort, or green punch that I'm sure was full of Everclear or Mm. something, and some green Kool-Aid packets. But uh, um, I guess it was successful. We generally beat them. I don't know. Hey, drink the green wave, you know? And then, of course, we're can't. we we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this today, but you can't talk about college football and food without mentioning tailgating. Everybody has their opinion, but if you've ever been to a tailgate at Ole Miss, you'll know that it is it's spectacular. experience of a lifetime. It's spectacular. Um, you see people out there with, I mean, everybody, all the, all, I've been to some, I went to a great tailgate at Texas A&M. I've been to some good ones at State. Uh, it's getting more and more, and this is kind of getting back into the money thing. Now you have guys who, who their whole business is setting up tailgates for the game and the university's gotten involved and they sell permits and all this kind of stuff. It's become a big business, which is fine. And I'm all about that, all all about entrepreneurship, but the tailgating at, at Ole Miss, you have some really elaborate stuff. People have chandeliers in there hanging from the top of their tent. Uh, and in honor of that, one year we had, I guess, a family tailgate—the one time that we've done it ourselves—and we brought my grandmother's silver pitcher, full of her ice-cold lemonade tea. So that was our sort of homage to, to bringing silver to the table.
0: My uh, my tailgating is a lot more budget-friendly. Uh, rolling up, throwing out a tent, grilling some burgers on some the finest styrofoam china we could find. But yeah, hey. I think I hear some drums in the distance. Could be.
1: All right, so it's time for this week's Flavor it, and I will bring in another uh, university that I had already decided this was w- what was going to be my, my Flavor It! this week. And the Northwestern University... Has something that they call wildcat nachos and it's blue corn chips tortilla chips with white queso pico and beef barbacoa they also act, by the way have a wildcat float they're one of their colors is purple and so it's like uh, my grandmother used to make purple cows which mm. is just vanilla ice cream with grape soda Some particularly gold. new, new grape, grape soda on it uh which i thought was pretty cool but that's the way i like to do nachos and so this is just my my flavor is my my red, white, and blue nacho recipe, if you want to call it a recipe, is if you go to the stadium, it's going to be the regular old golden, kind of, you know, hopefully freshish corn chips with the barbecue, the barbecue sauce, and that old yellow gooey cheese that may or may not actually have any dairy products in it. Uh, what I like to do is take the blue corn chips and the white queso, and then the red barbecue sauce of your choice so that's your red white and blue and then the barbecue and then you can add whatever you want to it but i much prefer it. and then the blue chips you know who knows uh, they're usually crispier than those those golden round things but um, but that's my that's my uh, contribution this week is the red white and blue barbecue nachos which also are a big hit at at
0: at parties mm, for sure all right, so for our listeners who are not from the state of Mississippi, just a little little backstory um, before we dive into my flavor. Uh, so we have a restaurant here in Starkville called the Little Dewey. Um, it is well known. Uh, at least in Starkville, in the surrounding area, and kinda, anybody
1: who watches ESPN,
0: anybody, and that's where I was getting because ESPN has rated it, you know, the best barbecue in the South. You know, they have plastered on all the walls just ESPN this, ESPN that. Announcers talk about it during games. You know, ESPN really, really loves uh, the Little Dewey. Um, I love it too. It's a great barbecue restaurant. Um, so my favorite for this week is the pulled pork grilled cheese from the Little Dewey. So I'm a big grill, uh, barbecue grilled cheese guy. I'll get it at almost any opportunity that I have because, you know, each one's unique. Each one is special. Um, so the pulled pork one from the Dewey is a grilled cheese stuffed with pulled pork, jalapeno pimento cheese, mm. and cheddar served on Texas toast.
1: Yeah, and I've had some with Texas toast and just whatever kind of cheese, but the jalapeno pimento cheese does That, add that a jalapeno
0: of... pimento cheese really added a little bit of spice, um, a little smokiness to it. And it was just, it was cheesy. The barbecue to cheese ratio was good as well. Um, the pimento cheese is just great when put in a grilled cheese. So overall, I thought it was really awesome. And it's probably my new favorite um, of the barbecue grilled cheeses that I've had.
1: Okay, well, i got to have to try one myself and maybe have nachos on the side. All right, so that's it for today. And we sure appreciate you listening. And if you would, wherever you found this podcast, please give us a high star ratings if we would love to hear from you we are on social media at viddle at viddle vital pod on instagram and twitter we're on facebook and viddle at gmail.com if you want to send your comments we'll put some pictures up that show jacob and i on the uh, on the walls of various offices around the country and uh, eat well live well and we'll see you next time